Good evening, everybody. Mike Banner here, host of the 62 Who Knew television show. You know, our episodes have been a little sporadic the last few months as I've been here at home on quarantine. Glad the country's opened up. Double-edged sword there. Deaths are up. Reported cases are up. So I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're re, uh, keeping your social distancing and doing everything you can to keep you and your family safe. Uh, I'm going to start out with thanking my guests over the last few months, Diane Daniels, um, Laura Banner, uh, uh, Peter Gelbwax. Uh, we had many, many people on, well, at least about eight people in the last 12 weeks. And we're really going to start to get ramped out, as you can see for our background, still taping from home, but I'm going to be back in the beautiful studios of WeBeam TV within the next couple of weeks uh, with its president and founder, John Gaston. We're going to make this happen the way we used to, getting ready to bring some incredible guests back over the next several months um, from all over the country and a couple from outside the country uh, to start bringing you what we brought you all of 2019, which is the 62 Who Knew premise, which of course, as most of you know, is that longer lifespans is a double-edged sword. And my generation, I will be 62 in, let's see, uh, 26 days. That's right, on July 4th. You're talking to a star-spangled banner. Get it? Banner, July 4th. And my generation, like my father, like his father and his father before them, we always have those questions as we're approaching 62. Have we saved enough money? Uh, should we pay off our house? Should we attempt to pay off the house? Should we downsize? Is it too late to buy long-term care insurance? Do we need long-term care insurance? Medicare is still three years away. What about Medicare supplemental policies? Uh, do we need life insurance? After all, the children are older, but it would be nice to have for the grandchildren. What type of investment should we make? Risky? Because rates are very low right now. It's not easy to get a good rate of return. Then again, is this part of our lives the point that we should be taking risky investments? We all have the same questions, generation after generation after generation, except for my generation. This generation has one more hurdle than any other generation has ever had. And what is that hurdle? Longer lifespans. Today, if you live in this country to 65 years old, you have a 50-50 chance of making it to 90 years old. Think about that. If you make it to 65, you have a 50-50 chance of making it to 90. Let's do the math, 65 from 90, 25 years in retirement. That is almost as much time that you were in the workforce. And the truth of the matter is less than 1% of this great nation can retire in their early to mid 60s and live a high quality of life for 25 years without working, less than 1%. And that's the premise of 62 Who Knew. Who knew at this age you could still have almost half the time you've already been here still ahead of you? And how do we prepare for that? We prepare, we prepare for that by bringing guests on like we have tonight, Mr. Mark Goldberg, literally known as one of the, uh, one of the most uh, highest expertise in the United States of America on long-term care insurance, a very misunderstood product. And uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of sensitive things today uh, that we never have had to, well, 
never thought we would have to because of COVID-19. Um, a lot of sensitive things to talk about. And uh, if you're getting ready to watch the show, uh, whether you're in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, um, but if you're near your mom and dad, uh, call them over to the screen. Uh, if you can send them a quick call or text, say mom and dad, go to www.webeamtv.com because this show is literally going to touch every family in this country. Um, John, do we have Mark ready to go? We do. And without further ado, the man of the hour, the man with the power, the man that is too sweet to be sour. We just moved to a beautiful home in Texas. That's why there's some boxes behind him. But through all the craziness, he's always there for us at 62. Who knew? We got a lot to speak about today. Thank you for joining Mike, us. Michael, are you like the Don King of 62 Who Knew? With the, uh, I, just, I, I actually got in more of WWE. The Muhammad the Ali? Of the of, uh, <laughs> Do you know who's uh, calling that actually clever. was? I'm going to come out of the closet here. That was Dustin Rhodes. like a butterfly from, and from sting like a bee? Wrestling. Say yeah. what? I'm telling you, we, we, if, if this doesn't work out, this whole reverse mortgage TV show, long-term care insurance thing, you and I go tag team in the WWE. Absolutely. I think we have a career on radio like nobody else. Andre, <laughs> we both have the faces and the bodies yes, for both radio. Have the faces there for is radio. no doubt hope, about that. I hope everybody in this 62 Who New World has been safe and sound. It's, nobody has had to deal with this virus personally. Um, I, hope, I know you have a larger and larger audience every time I'm on, so... I, but I still hope that they're smart and staying home and staying safe, and that you are as well. I see yes. that. And you've got the, the uh, superhero behind you to, to you know, keep any of this kind of stuff away. Yes, he, Coronavirus he is one of us. The Superman. It's he, not kryptonite. No, so, uh, although after being quarantined for 12 weeks, sometimes I think he's speaking to me. I think maybe I should start leaving the house yes, a little. That, that, that is a disturbing trend there. If, if, <laughs> if you start talking back, I would be concerned. Well, I've always talked to him, but when he talks back, yeah, um, you know, you and I always have so much fun when we're on this, but got, this is serious. Our, our, uh, our great nation um, has had its problems more than ever this last several months, ever. three and a half months. Who would have thought in January? Who would have thought that in happen? January this was going to be the kind of year we were about to have? I yeah. mean, talk about extremes from one side to the other in such a short span. And uh, again, I thank you for the opportunity to be on today and discuss how this has affected the world or impacted the world for those who are 62 and older, especially when it comes to needing care. And um, yeah, um, you know, we're going to start. I, I'd like to start with something you know, that I think is quite somber. Um, you know, uh, I have uh, an aunt. Um, she is the last aunt in the Banner family. In, or the second to last aunt, I'm sorry, the eldest aunt uh, in the greatest generation. Uh, she's uh, 88 years young, just unbelievable, living in a beautiful facility in Georgia uh, near her oldest son and near her grandchildren. She loves being there. And, um, you know, we were all worried to death about her, uh, even though it's a beautiful facility. Um, none of the children or grandchildren could visit. And I, I hope I'm not being too blunt, but these beautiful aged facilities, you know, basically turned into petri dishes 
uh, during this terrible crisis. And uh, we were all worried to death and still are to a point uh, about our Aunt Helen uh, sitting there in one of these beautiful homes. And so, so far, no cases in that facility? I'm not sure. Uh, I have to talk to my cousin about that. I think there were a couple. She's basically, really? you know, she has a two-bedroom luxury kind of thing. My cousin, you know, her son made sure of that. But, you know, it, it's... That's scary, though. It's old yeah, person really prison. Scary. Yeah, it's really, really scary. It's worse than prison. Um, I don't know if you were aware, but now that we've sort of got past the initial stages of it, 80%, more than that, actually, of all the current deaths from the virus are people that are in a long-term care facility, whether it be assisted living or a nursing home. So that's where, where the deaths are occurring. People that are younger are getting it and for the most part getting better. But the people that are 65 plus and have any kind of comorbid um, situations are finding it harder and harder to be alive. If you end up on a ventilator, the chances are less than 25% yeah. that you're gonna survive. And so, no, um, I knew it was a big number. I had no idea it was more than 80%. Yeah, no, but again, not in the beginning. It was 40% in the beginning, but it's steadily been climbing as they've you know, moved forward. And now it is over 80% of all the cases where the people pass away are someone that's been living in a facility, whether it be a, an assisted living facility, an Alzheimer's facility, or a nursing home. That's, uh, the that prisons were big on it, but, but they're not anywhere near. The prison population tends to be younger, so they get better. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they get to work not, out. Not the elderly. Yeah, that's right. Um, so that's no, a big a, concern. It's a somber message. And, and, and so, in my opinion, if you were fortunate enough to survive this first round with this virus, and it... it Nobody should be under the delusion that it has left us. I'm in Texas at the moment, and I can tell you that we have a thousand new cases here every single day since they reopened. Um, wow. We're spiking. We're spiking up again to where we were before they opened things up, um, higher than that. And, and so, again, anybody that thinks this is over is fooling themselves. And with the complications yeah. that we've had the last, um, few weeks, especially with the civil unrest and the protesters, et cetera. Um, again, most of those people are younger and they're not probably going to die if they get the virus. Unfortunately, they go home. That's right. And they might have older living people at their house. And so what isn't a fatal diagnosis for them turns out to be a That's real danger for their, for their older relatives and the like. Again, I like you. I I live with a 98-year-old mother-in-law, and you know I'm scared to death that if any three of my grandchildren bring that home, she's a goner. That's right. So no, it's, um, what, what a way to live. Again, going back to what you said earlier, could you have even imagined in January us thinking like this, us being afraid to go to public, us wearing a mask? This. Right. Wearing masks everywhere. It's amazing. Go to the bank. Everybody's wearing a mask. Except, I mean, especially the personnel. And I'm like, if you'd come in here wearing a mask before all this happened, they would think you were robbing the bank. Now everybody's yeah. wearing, a, wearing a mask. Um, Yet the, other, the other part about this, and to expound on it just a second, is the sadness that goes along with the fact that these people 
that are in facilities are dying alone. Their family can't yes. visit them. They can't be there for their last days or their, their, their final breath or whatever. And they don't have a chance to say goodbye. That's just tragic. That's heartbreaking. In so many ways. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. And, it is. and I know a professional like yourself, you, you do webinars on a weekly basis to, you know, to retail people, to long-term care insurance agents all over the country. And I'm going to say it because, as I always say, I'm not. I don't have an insurance license. Um, you know, to me, and it's terrible that we need a bad example like COVID nineteen, something tragic to it's, deliver it's, it's this message. It certainly has been revealing on a lot of levels. I mean, who you know, who would have thunk 40, 40 million people would have been unemployed? Who would have thunk that millions and millions and millions of people have to be in these bread lines because they were only a couple, three weeks away? from running out of funds. Yeah, and, and half the country gets a $1,200 check. And what is $1,200 doing for a family of four anyway when you get down to it? It's not enough, that's for sure. Yeah. And, and, and again, so they come out with positive news this last week from unemployment, and, the, and uh, immediately they say, well, maybe we don't need to do anymore. Well, no. I can share with you that I am confident that come the middle of July when all this stimulus money runs out, they're going to see that that people are going to be right back to where they would have been had there not been stimulus money. And That's so, exactly right. There either, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. so, and, and so we are nowhere the civil near out of the woods. Over what has happened. I'm sorry. You know, the civil unrest, the riots, the this, the that. Yeah. I'm going to get in. You and I are going to talk about that before the end of the show, even though it has nothing to do uh, with... No, no, but you know, we should because it's all related. And I wanted yes. to throw at you... I purposely am dressed down because I'm at home like everybody else has been. Um, despite the fact that it opened up to about 50% capacity here in Texas, I'm not part of that 50%. Um, uh, it's just, again, it's just too risky. But you were, you know, the name of the show is 62 Who Knew. And um, uh, we like to throw around uh, banners like that. But I decided to wear this shirt here today because it says, where is it? Here it is. Three and four need more. I know uh, that. that's a that's a, uh, a, a organization a nonprofit organization I co-founded about a decade ago um, with another gentleman in the industry and again that's the stack of the chances of a person in a relationship one at least one of the people needing some sort of long-term care yes exactly it's like 74.7 percent chance that if you're in a, in a, a marriage or a relationship uh, one of you will at least need long-term care it's higher for exactly. women than it is for men. Uh, anyone that's been to a long-term care facility can tell you that immediately they notice there's seven or eight women to every man that's in there. Women tend to live longer and stay longer and are much more expensive claims than the men. Um, and so there's definitely a gender bias within this. But again, men, men are certainly um, susceptible as well, especially to things like dementia and um, some of the other cognitive challenges. So, so again, um, uh, this is a product that you get more for each other than you get for yourself. That's right. But having a plan in place, if you look back over these last three months, anybody that had a plan in place didn't have to stay in the facility. They could go back to their home or go back to their kid's home and get the care there. Mm -hmm. and, and, and they had a way to pay for it. They weren't on the government dole, they weren't subject to the constraints of the systems, they weren't mm -hmm. part of the, the problem, they can be easily part of the solution. 
So I wanted to talk today to a little bit of that because there are many people out there that can't qualify for traditional long-term care because of existing right. health conditions. Well, there are other alternatives. And I wanted to at least make sure your audience was aware that um, those alternatives are relatively inexpensive and would give you the same kind of control that you would have if you had a traditional long-term care plan. One is a combination of long-term care and a critical illness plan. So it's different from long-term care in that it, the triggers what you know, uh, allows a client to claim against the plan are specific illnesses, like you'd find in a critical illness plan. Cancer, right. heart attacks, strokes, diabetes, um, uh, organ transplants, Alzheimer's. Those are the triggers. And so the good side is that as soon as you're diagnosed with any one of those, you start to collect. So you'll collect against the plan like that much quicker than you would a traditional long-term care plan where you have to wait until you need help with two activities of daily life or you have a cognitive diagnosed cognitive impairment. So in all right. likelihood, you would start to collect faster against a plan like that. That plan pays cash. So it, and it pays cash for the entire duration of the time that you take the plan out. So if you take the, the longest you can do it in any one time is 24 months, but the plan restores itself. So I'll come back to that in a second. But if you go, if let's say, God forbid, you have a heart attack or you get diagnosed with cancer, but six months, eight months, nine months later, you're better. You're still going to collect 24 months worth of benefits, whether you need it or not. And you're going to collect it in cash and you're going to do what mm -hmm. you want with the money. After every two year period, the policy rests for one year and then you get another two years. And then it rests for a year and you get another two years. So you end up with six years worth of coverage, but it's got to be spread out. So one of the things that many of my clients have done lately is combine that plan with a much, much, much easier plan to qualify, uh, which is a home care only plan. And that home care only plan pays for 360 days of actual care, not calendar days. 360, right. anywhere from $120 a day for a, for a home health aide, up to $350 for a specialty kind of nurse or therapist. And, and so people put them together so that they can use the short-term home health care plan up front before they have to go to a facility or use it if, if they need it when, when they're in that rest period. But again, if you collect all the money from the policy off the 24 months of the claim, but only used it for nine, you should have been able to bank 15 months worth of benefits that could cover exactly. you for the time you're not collecting. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 there's very efficient ways to use it. My point is, regardless of whether you have the short-term home health care or the critical care or both in combination, any one of those plans would have put you in control when all this hit. And you, if you were in a facility, you could have come out. And if you were, if you were uh, not in the facility yet, you would never have had to go. So, yeah, because you had unfortunately, COVID nineteen has become. Uh, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, COVID nineteen has become the the poster child for aging in place. Don't go right. somewhere. Live at home. Obviously, again, let's the key, you know safety. You and I have had these discussions many times. The key is, whether it's the two plans I just talked to you about or some other alternatives I have, the key 
is that you have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you can't address yeah. any of these things. Even if your plan is I'm gonna use all my life savings to address this, that's fine as long as you have a plan. But you just pointed out that the average retiree could be retired for 25 years. Well, just think oh, about more. what the impact of a long-term care plan would be on that, if on your savings, if all of a sudden you're dependent on that money to live with, and now it's going out the door at $10,000 a month, over on top of whatever your living expenses of your spouse is. Right, it goes quick. Yeah, so it, again, it, it certainly change your lifestyle quick. Might not bankrupt you, but it'll certainly make you think twice about how you're going to spend your money. And so, yeah. um, and so there's so there's all kinds of reasons I have a plan, and why I think it's particularly important right now to to do this is because everyone of any rational thought is convinced that we're going to see a surge of this come this fall, that it's going to come back with a vengeance this fall. So if you were lucky enough to escape not having a COVID-19 experience this first time around, now's the time to put a plan in place so that if Absolutely. you do have an experience for it later on, you're covered. Yeah. My voice just went up I, for I, Yeah, I mean, fear is a terrible way to make somebody realize something, but nothing works yeah. better. And if this doesn't scare yeah, thousands, I'm not trying to be an thousands of people. Right. I, I really am not trying to be an opportunist by making that statement. I, I'm, no, I know. But, I'm, but it's it's real obvious that if you didn't have a plan before, it's never been more important for you to have a plan now. Absolutely. Ever. And I've been in this business 30 years, and it's I can't, I can't remember any time that it would have been more important than to have a plan right now. Again, whether it's insurance or something else, but have a plan because – uh, you're going to deal with this one way or the other. Yeah, and, and and even with a plan, it's rough to deal with. But without a plan, you're in a you're in a senior prison without bars. But and you what's can't the leave. Beauty of this home care plan that I described to you is that it only has three health questions: Are you in a long-term care facility now? Do you plan to go to one in the next six months? Do you have any kind of cognitive impairment? If you can answer no to those three questions. The policy is issued the same day, if not the morning after you apply for it. Wow. So it's, so again, there's no other, other underwriting than those three questions. You answer no to those three questions, you get the policy. Now, can and, the price vary depending on your health? Yeah, the price goes, those goes by age, but I can tell you that I, that I help people get a fair amount of these and that for the average price per month for a plan like that, for someone 60 or younger is about 50 bucks a month. So 50 bucks a month is a, a much more affordable number. The average cost on a traditional long-term care plan is about $200 a month. So this is, a, a, you know, 25% of that. So um, uh, it's a lot less expensive than the average person than most consumers think so. Yeah. Well, again, and you're getting several thousands of dollars added up 360 days. Let's say you average $200 over the course of the different amounts of money you can get, depending on the kind of specialist or nurse you're using. But if it's $200, that's uh, what? Two, 360 times 200 is uh, what? 72,000. Uh, so let's ask a question. A for 50 bucks a month. Yeah. So let's ask a question. 
and you brought it up when we were speaking beforehand, and time always flies. We're still doing good, but time always flies when, 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 we're, when you're on the show. Today's ridiculously low interest rates, the situation of the stock market, granted the stock market had a very strong May, but let's face it, that was artificial. That was stimulus money. That was billions poured in by the government. Um, yep. And I'm glad they did it. But yep. with rates being so they low. They do it again. But, but again, it, you're right. When that runs out, the market's going to correct. Yeah, and, and how does this affect how insurance companies can offer products? Because they invest the money. Correct. If the insurance can't, companies, the whole model of insurance is you, you give them premium. They give you mm -hmm. benefits that are far greater to help you leverage your money than you can possibly do it on your own. And they make money off your money over that time period so they can um, uh, afford to pay the claims from the money they earn on your money, not from your money right. itself. So when all of a sudden interest rates plummet like they did to help correct for this economy and issue, they, they, go, they can't buy the highly rated bonds anymore with much of a return. And once they can't buy the bonds with much of a return, they have no choice but to have to raise rates. Exactly. And if they're going to raise rates, you're, so what I'm saying to your audience is you will never pay less for a policy or for coverage or for a plan than you will today as going forward because it will mm -hmm. always end up being more expensive because they're going to have to find other ways to make money off your money. Mm-hmm. They're going to need more money. They need more money from you to make money off your money. And as you mentioned before we went on air, the ripple effect of that is truly staggering. Staggering. It's a, again, we can't even begin to measure it. And let's not anybody for a second think that these insurance companies are going to be altruistic. They're in money. They're in the business to make money. They're of not going to, and they need a return on investment for their stockholders. And that return on investment has got to be worthy of of of, of uh, being a a good profitable business and yeah. so they're, they're they're not going to hesitate to do what they got to because otherwise they're not going to survive and that doesn't help the policyholder either so they're going yeah. to do what they need to do to deliver value to you to the client but at a cost that pleases their investors and stockholders and stockholders yeah you know it's, it's it's always amazed me throughout my career you know, how many people think that banks um, are here to help you. And yes, they are. Their services help you. But banks have stockholders. Banks are businesses. Insurance Absolutely. companies give services that help people. They, they sell products that help people. But without profit, there is no insurance company. And it's amazing okay. how, much, how many people don't get that. Why are they doing this? They have to do it sometimes. Not always, but they do no. have to sometimes. Let's take this a step further. Where is there a product in this uncertain market where you are guaranteed to know that if you move, let's take a hybrid plan, for example, if you move $100,000 into a hybrid plan, it's always your money. It's not, you're not giving it to the insurance company. You're moving $100,000 into an account mm -hmm. with the insurance company, but in your name that you can get back anytime you want, 100%. But you have yep. the advantage to know that if you pass away, you're going to get a greater amount in the form of a death benefit than the amount you put in. 
And if you need it for long-term care, you're going to probably average somewhere between three and four times, maybe a little more initially on your money. But over time, if you have an inflation rider on it, it's going to be eight, 10, 12 times your money. Well, tell me where you're going to put money today, where you put a hundred thousand in at 65 and at 85 because of the inflation rider that you put on it, it's tripled in value. And now all of a sudden you put a hundred thousand in, you got seven, eight hundred thousand dollars to spend on your long-term care. Where are you putting your money to get a guaranteed return like that? Again, you don't use it, you get the money back. You want the money back, you get it back. Pass away and don't need it, your beneficiaries get the death benefit. So there's no risk to the principal and you get eight times your money if you let an inflation rider work for you. I, I, yeah, every I, time you, unless you know the next Amazon, I don't know where comfort. It, you know, explain this again. I just get amazed why everybody, not everybody, that's that's a dumb thing to say, but why the masses don't have this. It is literally and, and, and again, without that's, risk. That's all you're doing with insurance. I don't want to make this more complicated. You're leveraging assets to be to give you a greater yield than you would get. If you just left them in the bank or, I mean, people that leave money in the bank or put them in money market funds or savings accounts or mutual funds, right, for the most part, aren't even going to keep up with what inflation and taxes have been over the last, so in effect, they're losing money. Exactly. But you put your money in a fixed product like I just talked about where you don't have the risk of the principal and you're getting a 5% return or you know compounding return on that money so that it gives you the kind of yield that we're talking about i just i don't know where you're going to do that without the risk anywhere else and, and it's those and, four and so, magic words so I don't know why no risk to principal yeah where, where do you make yeah. an investment like that with no risk to your investment yeah now that brings up another issue and we should talk about it because it goes back to all this and I'd like you to weigh in it. You're a reverse mortgage pro as much as anybody I've ever known in the business. People are in a position today where they need money. They, the traditional sources for where the money have run out. So how do we help them raise money? They can take a reverse mortgage on their house, and all of a sudden they don't have to make mortgage payments anymore. They have a flat sum of money or a monthly allowance coming in from that that's adding to their revenue. Right. Mm-hmm. Look, there, we talked about this last time. There's about 150 million life insurance policies in force out there in the world. There's only 8 million mm-hmm. long-term care policies in force, but there's 150 million life Amazing. policies. Many of those people bought those policies when they were younger. They had kids and they had all kinds of concerns, and if they passed away, their, their families would not have been able to live the kind of life they had been used to unless they had a life insurance uh, you know, benefit coming to them. Right. But now the kids are out of the house. They're grown. Now you've downsized, or if you, you have, you have, you've got your, your expenses under control. The need for that life insurance policy that you paid for isn't as great as it once was. So you say, well, why should I pay for it anymore? I don't really need it. Well, don't do that, because that would just waste all the money you gave away. So, well, I I built up a cash value. I could just take the cash value out of the plan, and I'll, you know, be a little bit ahead of the game for having built up 
the cash value in the, in the policy. But don't do that. There's a robust market right now for people to purchase these life insurance policies where the company that purchases it will take over paying the premium for you for the rest of your life. And then mm -hmm. when you pass, of course, they'll get the death benefit. Now, you don't have to sell them the entire policy if you don't want, but you could. And now you're mm -hmm. going to get 30, 40, 50 cents on the dollar as opposed to some sort of surrender fee under 20 cents on the dollar. Why not right. max out the value you can get on an unused asset that you don't need anymore? It's going to be far greater probably than the money you paid into it. So you're going to show a much more decent. But most people let the policies lapse, That's right. especially term policies. And you don't have to mm -hmm. do that. It has a value in the marketplace. And these companies will pay for that value based on, well, the irony here is the sicker you are, the more money you get. Yeah, because the closer you are to your, your mortality charts will say you're closer to death. So right. you get it's, more money. It's like in our There's, industry, the older you are, the more we lend you <laughs> in, in the reverse mortgage right. world. It's exactly the same reason. And there are strategies out there. People think, well, I can't get long-term care insurance, so I'll just risk it and go it on my own. I have programs that are out there that you can purchase as a um, a, a, a better alternative to paying the bill with your life savings while you're already, when you're already in the facility. You could move the money into a single premium immediate annuity that would then pay the nursing home or the assisted living facility the cost mm -hmm. that you, and will pay that for the rest of your life. And somewhere, around whatever the, the average mortality is for you at that age when you buy it, it will have you breaking even, uh, you know, a little bit over the, whatever that's projected. And if you live longer than that, you're going to collect money off that policy forever until you're no mm -hmm. longer here. So, I mean, it's, it's not complete wash to say, oh, I can't get long-term care insurance. Okay, you can't get long-term care insurance? Maybe you can get this hybrid version that has soft or looser underwriting to it. Maybe you can get that mm -hmm. critical care policy. Maybe you can get the standalone home care policy. Oh, you're already in a facility? Let's talk about restructuring how you invest the money you already have so as to maximize your leverage on it. So mm -hmm. it's, it's not as simple as simply saying, well, I'll get the insurance or I won't get the insurance. The question is, I don't care if you get the insurance. Get a plan. It's have a plan. And the other advantage of having a plan is it frees you up. It, sa it says to you, you know what? The single biggest risk I have needing health care as I get older has been taken off the table with this plan. Now I'm free to go spend my money on things that I was afraid to spend them on before because I was afraid I was going to need it for my long-term care. That's right. So now if you know you got a half million dollars set aside from an insurance company for your long-term care, Go take that world cruise if that's what you want to do. That's right. You're you're not you're not you don't have to worry about the what ifs. You plan for it. And and, and again, the peace of mind itself go on and on like this all night. Lifestyle. So it's all I'm comes sorry? back to lifestyles and it all comes back to exactly, you know, how what's the smart way to approach this. And it all starts um, with a plan. I'm looking to see my notes from when we talked before. Um, That's okay. I know there were some other things you wanted to discuss. Well, there's no way to get around it when you said it takes the 
you know, when you have that plan in place, like you say, whatever it is, just having the stress of knowing that one major medical event won't wipe out your savings, I'm going to venture to say is going to make you live longer. That's a tremendous amount of stress off of a person in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. You know, you say that, Michael, and that's the other thing that amazes me. We're all up in arms about the risk of this COVID-19. We've stayed home, we've quarantined, we've isolated, we wear masks, we put sanitizer on wherever we go, they take our temperature if you go out, they, they, um, they were going to all these extra precautions to do all these things. And yet, in this country, we've approached, I don't know, is it 2 million plus cases? And we've had 107,000 yes. people die. Mm-hmm. Is that half of 1%? Yeah, it's, it's a half a percent. That's what it is. Right. A half a percent. I just mm-hmm. shared with you that the case, that it's 70, um, oh, this side. There it is. Other side. Yeah, this side. I can't see it. Your other left. But, but it's, it's a 75% chance that one of you are going to need long-term care. Right. Far greater than a half of 1%. And yet yeah. we push that aside and don't address it when we get all crazy about a half of 1%. So it's again, amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It, you know, the thinking is. But, it, but we can't get away from the fact that there's 107,000 people dead today that weren't even thinking they were going to be dead in March. That's correct. And, and, and so that's a shock to anybody's coming. system. That's a shock yeah. to anybody's system that, that all of a sudden you see that. And again, that, that the market went down and came back up is less important to me than there's 40 million people unemployed that weren't employed, weren't unemployed three months ago. Now because we put on 2 million take, people last week, which is, which is a great number, but it is causing still, deaths and more cases. Right, and we we lost forty million jobs, and we got two million back last week. Again, tell me what how many jobs we get back in mid July or the end of July when all this stimulus money runs out. The reason you got the jobs back is the people that got the money can't keep the money without consequences if they don't keep the people on payroll. Exactly. So as soon as, as soon as as soon as they don't have the government paying them the payroll part, you're going to see the unemployment number spike again. I mean, it's just and we have the other we have the other side of the coin. I have some friends in the restaurant business and other retail business um, getting unemployment, and they're actually saying, "I don't know why I should come back to work. I'm getting unemployment that is making as much as I was." You're right. Why do I need to open up? Right, and then and you've got and you've got certain jobs that are never coming back. If I was in the commercial real estate business right now, I'd be oh my god. So, That's some, a show into itself, the ripple say, effect yeah. of that. Yeah, why do we need bricks and mortar? These people are working yeah. fine from home. So, so you're going to see a large, my son is a vice president with Frito-Lay, my grandson. I mean, grandson. my son-in-law is a vice president with, with Frito-Lay. He's been working at home since the beginning, and they've told him, don't expect to come back. You're doing fine right where you're at. So oh, yeah. you're, you're, you'll work from home for the foreseeable future um, and probably forever. Yeah, these, the these, other thing is, this, like I said, not bring, back, bring everybody back. Yeah, this could be a show unto itself. The glut yeah, the in the is, commercial can, office space market is going yeah. to blow well, this nation away. Just blow this nation away. 
There's not going to be one. And again, they can open up all the states they want. Who amongst us is going to get on a cruise ship? Who amongst us yeah. is going to get on an airplane? Who amongst us is going to flock to Disney World? I, I was shocked the other day to see when they opened up Vegas, it was pretty crowded. Yeah. People were standing around these crap tables and, and blackjack tables, not wearing masks, not social distancing. not. And I'm like, hello, how long until the repercussions of this are going to be felt? Not not months or years, in just a couple of weeks you're going to see the ramifications uh, of all that. Then you have all that protesting this, on the streets like we talked about. In this particular case, not to be flippant about it, but what happens in Vegas is not going to stay in Vegas. It's going to go Vegas. back home right. to all the states and all the people and their family. And I don't get why people don't understand this. Now, there is another side of me that says, you know, what else was our choice? I mean, I personally had friends that I'd have to describe in middle to upper middle income that said, Mike, I, I got to go back to work. I, I, I just got to. Uh, I have to yeah. make my payments. I have to, I have to go back children. to work. And I understand that. And here's my biggest concern about that, that the governments in all these states are going to simply say, we can't afford to close again, even though our numbers are spiking, even though our hospitals are being pushed to the limit, even though um, uh, it's a death sentence for so many people, we're not going to close again. And so, because if we do, we're going to have to admit we were wrong. And if we admit yes. we were wrong, we're going to open ourselves up to liabilities where people are going to sue us for, for having opened up and put them at risk. And so we're not Absolutely. going to do it. And because we're not going to do it, people are going to, more people are going to die. Yeah, so and again, you were just hit on time, something. better because we're going to be reluctant to do it. Yeah, you so, just hit on something that is also, that's such a ripple effect. They, they are going to be afraid to do the right thing they have to admit they're wrong. And it's five yeah, months away I, from a presidential election. Can you imagine our president of the United States is going to shut down this country again? You yeah. have to, there's no way. He's going to admit he was wrong? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, he's not, admit he's wrong, right? That would be, yeah. that would be a refreshing change of pace. Not going to yeah. happen. Though. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we're again, in trouble. I, and, and it's still amazing how charged, many people. I'm sorry. It's still amazing how many people that I speak to, you know, uh, this whole thing was trumped up. It's just no, no pun intended. It's say, just like the flu. Way. If we would have stayed open, less people would have died. I'm of the opinion that the, the figure would be in the millions. If yes, this stayed open. I think there's death. no dispute about that. But then they argue, well, Sweden stayed open and they had that herd mentality. And so everybody got sick and built up antibodies and, um, you know, that's, by the way, that's the reason why ants don't get sick. Because they that? have antibodies. They have antibodies, right? They have antibodies. <laughs> you had to throw that in there. <laughs> I did. I, you know, we need some Borscht Belt humor on here every once in a while. Yes, we do. We do. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, we have the same personalities. No one's going to accuse either one of us of our glass being half full. It's always uh, half It's empty. always been It's always half full. Half full. Yeah. This is scary times for this country. And what's more scary is how many people are not accepting that it's scary and serious. 
So, so here's the, here's rule number one. I did a talk about this just last week. I was saying what we really need right now are people that can build resilience, people that can take the punch and get back up. Because as Rocky said, that's how winning gets done. That's um, how winning is done. That's right. That's right. And so, so you need resilience and you want to surround yourself with people with resilience. Well, the first rule of dealing with resilience is that you have to deal with reality for what it is, not what you hope it to be. It's great to have a vision. Great that you want to, you know, go places where no man has gone before. That's great. Uh -huh. Yes, have purpose, have vision. But understand that you got to deal with the reality. And COVID-19 is a reality. Civil unrest right now is a reality. 40 million people unemployed is a, re a reality. The stock market being unpredictable and not knowing how your savings are going to be looking in retirement are a reality. These are, you need to deal with, the, with the, the, the stage for what it is, not what you hope it to be. So that doesn't make yeah. us pessimist. That makes us realist. realist. And that's the only Real, way yeah. you can put together a plan that lets you look forward. That's all. You got me up on my soapbox now, but that's... No, that's okay. Uh, we're, that, we're in... Yeah, we're at a crevice. There's no doubt about it. We're at the edge of the mountain. We're at a precipice. Now people could right. say we've been there before, but not like this. Not with not a like killer this. virus. I, I've never lived through a pandemic, and you and I'm a little older than you, and I, we haven't. I've never a lived through a pandemic, so I don't know. And people say all the time too that, well, this is like the Spanish flu of 1918. I've looked at that pretty hard. And it's really not like the Spanish flu. There's, yeah, there are many similarities. It was a pandemic. It killed a lot of people. But it's really more analogous to the small, not the smallpox, the um, polio uh, yes. breakout of, of 1915. There, you had people coming down with polio, uh, FDR for, for one, um, and you had all these it spiked in New York. New York was the, the epicenter, just like New York yeah, is the epicenter. Ground zero. Um, ground zero for all this. But the difference was you didn't have all these abilities to move forward. They keep talking about a vaccine in a year and a half or even less, right? When nobody in the history of man has developed a vaccine for any kind of pandemic in less than five years, right? But the polio one, they had all the same things, all these different phony baloney remedies would come up and everybody oh this is the you rub mint gel uh, mint, uh, ointments into your muscles and it was remember supposed that to, remember that yeah and, and none of that worked right and it wasn't until jonas salk finally found a cure for it in 1954. so it started in 1915 and it took till 1954 until they had a way to properly address it well Again, we're all hung up on this fact that we live in an instant gratification world, and this it's so likely that we're going to have a cure like that. I do think we're going to have a, a vaccine and a cure quicker than anything we've had in the past. But it's yes. unrealistic to think it's coming a month from now or That's six right. months from now because it's it, the testing requirements and all the other things that have to go into it can never have that happen that fast. So I don't want no, to say never, uh, but again, yeah. I want to deal with reality. I want to look at it honestly. And when you look at it honestly, 
it would be great if they could get something developed by sometime next year. But boy, that seems like a long way away from now. A lot of people are going to die and a lot of people are going to suffer between now and then. Yeah. And Today, and again, all over the country, movie theaters opened again, bars who's opened go to again. A movie who's going to go to a movie theater? Who's going to sit next to people like that in a movie theater? I, I've learned right. from this that I can watch my movies at home. Why do I need to go to a movie theater anymore? I well, love And again, movies. just, yeah, so we do have, I. We have um, that in common. Yeah. But, uh, but I, you know, you won't find me in a movie just, theater in the next six months. So they have a vaccine? I won't be in a movie theater. Why would I do that? that, that Why would I go to a too. ball game? For what, would, what, for what man, if I can watch it on television, why would I go to a ball game in this particular environment? I'm going to sit in a stadium with 50,000, 60,000 other people? Coughing and so. sneezing on me? Not going to happen. Why yeah. would I go to a break? Why would I go to a, to a 4th of July firework celebration? Because it's my birthday. Why would I do it? Now, I didn't realize you were a Yankee Doodle Dan. I thought you were uh, you know, you were it's funny that uh, one of, the, you said, one of oh, my first the stars, the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah, one of my banner. first memories. Like you're, you're a Yankee. One of my Doodle first Dan. memories of life. One of my first. Yeah. Me- I don't know if I was two or I was four, but I remember my father looking at me and going, "Always remember, you're a Star Spangled Banner born on the Fourth of July." It's it's yeah, literally born one on of the my Fourth first- of July. Right? Yeah, and you know, one of my wasn't yeah. it? Did they? Didn't Jefferson and Adams die, or Hamilton die? Somebody, no, Jefferson and Adams, I thought, died. Both died on the 4th of July. I had like nothing to do with it. Seconds of each other. And Calvin really? Coolidge was also born on the 4th of July. There's another yeah. presidential thing. But, but again, I mean, what were the odds that you were going to be born on the 4th of July and not the 5th or the, or the 3rd? But you were. Yeah, I again, know. It was pretty cool. To, that, well, with five minutes Oz, remaining... I'm sorry, with five minutes remaining, you know, I've done my best over the last, you know, year and a half, you know, to keep 62 Who Knew on its message, try never to be political, uh, try never to do anything controversial. Uh, I very rarely have conversations. I remember my father telling me, um, and you know how close I was to him, there are three topics, you know, that can just end your friendship with people, and that's politics, religion, religion. and child rearing. Um, yeah, that's a very old-fashioned strategy, but it also happens to be true. But I think we're going to make some changes in 62 new. I think we're certainly, you know, we've delayed uh, the entrance of the podcast, which you're going to be a regular on you and Peter and Bill. Um, we did that because of a couple of my health problems and COVID-19. And, and it's all going to happen. It may be six months or a year behind schedule, but I think... 62 who knew is going to have to get a little more into the world and what it's happening. And if my comments are controversial, um, so be it, you know, um, but we have to talk about, we're we're desperate for authenticity. We're desperate for, for fair and um, balanced truth. Not, we, we tend to take in our information based on our own biases. That's right. You know, again, if I'm concerned, I watch the Fox news station because that's, reports the conservative side of the news. And if I'm more liberal, mm-hmm. I watch MSNBC because that reports the more liberal side of it. And we know that going in. But yeah. we want to be told yeah. and, and, things that... And, and I've stopped watching thinking. them all. I've yeah. literally stopped watching them all more than 18 months ago. Because it's yeah, my not wife news. Watches it's the BBC, not like you and I. She thinks she gets yeah. a fairer perspective there. 
Yeah, it's not like you and I had David Brinkley and Chet Huntley. It's it's gone. It's that being right. said, though, because now we got only three minutes left, I have to give my opinion on what's happening in this country right now. Uh, number one, what happened to George Floyd is unacceptable on any type of human level. It's no just unacceptable. That, and there's no debate from anyone that says it's different. That's right. And I hope the, the other four police officers that were there and didn't do anything about it, I hope they serve lifetime in prison. Now, that being said... I don't know said, what they're going to get, though. I understand their, their defense is that they were rookies. So they yeah. were under the tutelage I, of I'm not even a cop, and I would have done something. So would have my yeah. son. So would have either one of my daughters. And I have a right. son-in-law that is a policeman. Now, I was brought up by a greatest generation father to respect police. You respect that badge, you respect that uniform, and the man or woman that is wearing it. In the 70s, when I was a teenager, when other teenagers were calling cops pigs and things like that, that could never come out of my mouth. Not the way I was brought up. You respect that man. You respect law enforcement officers. But I have to say this today, and I'm going to say it. It is time for that big blue wall, which our police officers need. The blue wall protects police officers, and I'm all for it. I have relatives and best friends, aunts, uncles that have been police officers. But it is now time for that blue wall to expand to protect policemen and protect people from bad policemen. Now, no one's ever going to convince me that bad policemen are a little, little teeny percentage of the law enforcement's out there. These are wonderful people. You dial 911 and oh my God, a stranger comes running to help you who doesn't know who you are, what color you are, what religion you are. They're certainly not doing it for the money because they're poorly paid, okay? These are wonderful people. But the police know who the bad police are. Just like I hate to say it, I'm gonna make some enemies. The church knew what priests were bad priests. Yeah, no, I don't know how you make enemies. That that's point. a fact. They have to police themselves, and they have to they get have rid to take of responsibility. the bad yeah, Absolutely. And that's my opinion. I love police, well, but well, let's, let's just touch on that for a second. African American people today is unacceptable. And if that so is off, very, very, very you're part of my eighty thousand viewers, then you don't have to watch me next week. This cannot be accepted you by anyone any of, them, of any I don't color. Think any of them are debatable. What but you're right. Something's got to change. Yeah. What was different about this situation? The entire thing was on tape. Before most of the situations were, we heard it went like this. We yeah. they write up uh, reports, and then you find out later because of, of film that they weren't they didn't happen the way they said it did. Okay, and we all go well. But maybe there's a plausible deniability or an excuse. Yeah, yeah there was no. Well, but there's, there's too nothing. many examples there of not. There's we no only have 30 I seconds don't care. Left. Remember, remember the video. Remember the yeah. video of six cops beating Rodney King. I mean, right? he was handcuffed, and they, got and they still got away with it. And they got away. Twenty okay. seconds left. I understand. It absolutely, I understand. has to stop. It just there's has to stop. be a different criteria for how you hire these people in the first place. You don't go out and hire. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, uh, just like the church vigilante. knew the bad priests, police, the, the precincts know the bad cops. It's time to get rid of them. I love police. I love law enforcement. That we got five service. seconds. 
I'm going to say I love you. Thank you for being here. We'll continue this in the next two weeks.